following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Good morning. Colossians chapter 3, if you're not already headed in that direction, we're going to look at verses 12 through 17 this morning. While you're looking that up, I'm going to finish moving in. I guess you're not going to get rid of me for a while. Now let's read a few verses together. I want to begin in chapter 2, actually, verses 13 through 15, Colossians chapter 2, and then we'll pick it up in chapter 3. Paul writes, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Chapter 3, verse 1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. And now verse 12, Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God, with thankfulness. Okay, that's the old uh, word keeps coming out, okay? Uh, The ESV says, thankfulness in your hearts to God, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Uh, Just a word of appreciation to our worship team. Almost don't need to preach this service because the, um, the songs have led us in that direction. Our hearts should already be responding to the message that we're going to talk about this morning because of the praise and worship that we have had here today. And now we have the privilege of coming to the Word of God and seeing where all of that comes from. And in this chapter, we are looking now at part two of what Pastor Jordan shared with us last week. 
We talked about last week the putting off of the old self. And now today we're going to focus on the putting on of the new. The gospel transforms relationships. These verses describe how God brings people from totally different backgrounds and brings them together in the body of Christ. The apostle speaks to those who have been made alive in Christ, forgiven of their sins, and freed from the power of darkness. That's why we started in chapter 2. This new spiritual identity is given to us as a free gift through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as a result, Paul can say we are chosen, we are set apart for God's purposes. That's what it means to be holy, set apart for God's purposes, and we are beloved of God. And all of those things are true equally of every believer because they are accomplished by Christ. They are the results of the cross. They are a part of the blessings of salvation that are given to us. So as we hear these instructions to put off and to put on, we need to hear them in the context of who we already are in Christ. Christian life is not difficult. It's impossible. And apart from the grace that saved us, we are unable to live the life that he instructs us, but praise God, that same grace that saved us is there to enable our obedience, to give us guidance and wisdom and direction. So if you were not here last week or if you didn't, uh, if you weren't listening to what Pastor Jordan said, I encourage you to go on the church website or YouTube and to listen to that because he introduced our identity in Christ, verses 1 to 5 or 1 to 4, and then what we are to put off that is associated with our old life outside of Christ. We are to put to death. We are to strip away those behaviors, those qualities that are characterized of a life outside of Jesus Christ. And in principle, we did that when we were saved. Said we did put off the old man and we put on the new man. Now, what does the new man look like? That's what he's going to give us. And we closed uh, last week by talking about the bush pilot that is uh, looking to land that plane on a kind of a dog leg kind of thing. And he said, what, how, do you, how do you land that plane safely? It is by focusing on the good parts of the runway and not the hazards. And so beginning in verse 12, he's going to give us some of the specifics of the good parts, what it means to put on Christ, What are the qualities? What's the character of Christ that needs to be a part of the believer's life and experience? And so he's going to give to us uh, four instructions that are positive in nature for putting on the new self, for becoming that new man and woman of God that he wants us to be. And so 
We're going to uh, start in verse 14, where the first one is simply we are to put on the love of Christ. The love of Christ. Over all these things, put on love. This, of course, is God's kind of love. God's love acts in the best interests of another. God's love for us is generous, sacrificial, unconditional, unchanging. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. We might think of the opposite of love as hate, and it can be that. But in the scripture, most often the opposite of love is self, capital S. We love ourselves, we serve ourselves, or we're loving others. We're thinking of them. And so this is the fundamental change that salvation brings in our lives. As we deny ourselves, as we repent of ourselves and our sin and recognize our need for Christ, our hearts are turned from self and sin to God and others. And it's only through the grace of salvation that that can happen because do you know how stubborn the selfishness of our hearts can be? We think of ourselves instinctively all the time, first and foremost. And only Jesus Christ can change that. And it's the first command that we're given, put on the love of Christ. I was a student at Moody Bible Institute when I was beginning to think about some of these things and learning what that meant. Uh, when I was in high school, my dad uh, said I ought to go learn how to do typing, and so I, I did. This was before keyboarding was a thing, all right? So I sat in there on these old manual typewriters and, and learned, learned how to type. Well, in a college dormitory, word gets around quickly. So one evening I was working on my assignments and, uh, you know, uh, a shadow showed up in the door kind of thing. And they say, hey, hey, John, can you help me type my assignment? Uh, you know what you feel like in those cases. There's just like a tension, okay? Um, but I knew I had a choice to make. And God was teaching me some of these things. I was processing some of the realities of what it means to put others first. And, and so my, my natural response was to say, well, why do you have to put it off to the last minute to do your assignments? But on this particular occasion, uh, again, the Lord just prompted me and I put my work aside and and I took the time. It wasn't a long assignment. And put um, others first in that situation. It was a good thing. He actually became quite a good Bible scholar. And his name is on the front of the Moody Bible commentary now. Um, that, that, that is there. And so, um, yeah, God was teaching me about love. 
And as we put love into practice in our relationships, in the home, in the church, God begins to transform our character and the quality of those relationships. And in the process, we learn more and more of the unconditional, giving, generous love of God for us. What he has done for us, he enables us to do for others. And Paul says in this occasion that this kind of unconditional love in some way binds or ties all the other qualities of love together. He has, he has given us a number of, of these qualities already, and it appears that, that love is, it is expressed in different ways. Compassionate hearts, where there's a need for kindness, uh, an expression of humility, meekness, patience, and forgiveness. All of these are, in some sense, ways of loving one another appropriate uh, to any given situation. So the question is, have we put on this kind of love? Have we turned a corner from self to others, not just simply as something we do on occasion, but who we are as a person? Have we allowed the transforming grace of God to change us. Thursday night we had a men's huddle and we were challenged uh, on that on Thursday night by Paul Tripp. He says this, I'm about to hurt your feelings, but it's crucial that you understand this. You are your biggest marriage problem. That's another way of saying you're selfish. So when we talk about love, we're, we're talking about more than a feeling. It includes feelings, but we're talking about more than a feeling. There's a choice that we make. It is not, I love you as long as you keep doing the things I expect you to. I will act in your best interest as long as you act in my best interest. It is unconditional because that is the love that Christ had on the love of Christ. Now, when we do that and we begin to relate to others, then what you have is the peace of Christ in the relationships of life. And so the second uh, instruction is that we are to put on the peace of Christ, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Our peace with others is rooted in our peace with God. In Christ, Jesus took upon himself all that stood between God and ourselves. That on the basis of what Jesus did for us, God offers to us the free gift of eternal life because there is no longer anything between us. And so when we are in peaceful relationships to one another, it means that there is nothing between us. There is openness. There is harmony. Uh, there is unity. And because of Christ, we are able to say that we have peace with God. And he asks us then to begin to practice that peace in our relationships 
with one another. And here Paul's talking to the church. This is a letter uh, to uh, brothers and sisters in the church. So that in these relationships, peace becomes an active principle of God's grace that removes the barriers of sinful attitudes and social differences. Remember back in verses 10 and 11 talks about uh, barbarians and Scythians and slave and free and all the different kinds of people that had come to faith in Jesus Christ. And in society, they were very different people. How did they get along in the church? They put on the love of Christ. They put on the peace of Christ. Um, my dad's first pastor was in Elkhart, Indiana. Um, I was born there, so that's been a couple years ago uh, now. And I remember growing up hearing him talk about two men in that church. One was a factory manager and the other was a union laborer. Now, in what they did for a living, they had very different views about what reality ought to be. But he said when they came to church, they sat together and they served together. Why? Because there was a peace that transcended what made them different from one another. And that is what a relationship to Christ in the body of Christ does for us. It brings people together from all diverse backgrounds and starting points in life. And because the most important thing in our relationship is what we share in Christ, we can have a relationship in which there is nothing between us. And so when the stuff of verses 5 through 8 starts showing up in our relationships, um, what is God doing? He's reminding us. In fact, this idea, it says, let the peace of Christ rule, has the idea of what an umpire does or a referee, what he does. Uh, the, the umpire says, uh, you're safe or you're out. You are in bounds, you are out of bounds. And whenever we feel that tension rising, when we sense that there is something between us, God is blowing the whistle. He's pulling out the yellow card. And he's saying there's, there's some changes that need to be made and that can be made because of the peace of Jesus Christ that we share together. And so we are to respond in peace to one another. When, when we sense the need for peace, what do we do? We go back to verses 12 and 13. Where there's a need for compassion, we show compassion. Where there's a need for humility, we practice humility. Where there's a need for giving and receiving of forgiveness, we are willing to do that in order to put into place, to practice peace that we have been given in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 12 verse 18 says this, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
so that the peace of Christ means for each one of us that we are a part of God's solution rather than a part of the problem. That's who we need to be as followers of Jesus who have received his peace. We should be instruments of sharing that peace as well. Well, the love of Christ and the peace of Christ work together in all relationships uh, in the body of Christ. And now Paul's thought seems to go to the gathered times of, of the church in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. We are to uh, allow the word of God to take up residence in our hearts and minds. That's the idea of the word dwell. In fact, it's used of the indwelling. The word of Christ should indwell you. And the idea is, is moving in and taking up residence. Richly means generously, overflowing, extravagantly, so that the influence of the word of God overflows in our lives and in our fellowship with other believers. Now, we know that a house is not a home. We make it a home, right? A number of you, uh, and thank you very much for all your kindness in um, helping us move our boxes into our house. But you know what you did? You left stacks of boxes in my garage, and there was one room, our family room, that was about eye level of boxes with just small spaces to get around. Because at that point, our house was not a home. What did we have to do? We had to take them, unpack them, one at a time, one at a time, right? We had to clean, we had to sort, we had to arrange, we had to put things the way that works for our family so that that house became our home. Let the word of God move in and take up residence in your life. And that's what Paul is, is teaching us with this wonderful principle. So that the word of God, the wisdom of scripture, directs our thoughts, our words, our actions, our motives, our attitudes, our dispositions. All of life is governed by, guided by, directed by the truth that God is teaching us and renewing um, our minds with. And there are two ways that are described for us in this paragraph, how that happens. First of all, the, the word of Christ moves into our lives in the teaching and the admonition of the service, the gathered community of believers. Uh, we most often think about this in terms of what uh, Jordan usually does, what I'm doing today, uh, and they, they teach and they preach and they admonish and all of that. But look at verse 16. Who's doing the teaching and admonishing in verse 16? Okay, class. One another. Who's that? Don't be shy. 
It's you, isn't it? Teaching and admonishing one another. This is one of the many one another's, the mutual ministry of the New Testament. So that the picture that we have here is, is that as we learn and grow and, and let the word of God influence us, then that becomes a part of our interactions with one another. So that as we gather in fellowship, it's more than coffee and donuts. It starts with coffee and donuts, all right? But then as we begin to talk about the real issues of our lives, brothers and sisters, we should be directing one another towards Jesus Christ and his sufficiency. And the things that we have learned and the way God has met our needs and the truth of Scripture should be what we share with one another to strengthen and to encourage and to help and to guide. And yes, it happens this way, but it should be happening so many other ways as well. Let me tell you what often happens. Okay, so like we're here, we're gathered, and we all, we, we, get, we get our box of truth for the day. Woo, that's really good. And then we head out towards the foyer and we run into our best friends and we're talking about the kids and vacations and cars and fishing and all that stuff and we talk and when I leave that, I forget and every Sunday, the foyer is full of little boxes that never made it out the front doors of the church. Well, some did. They, they made it to the trunk of the car. And then we stopped for lunch, and then we turned the ball game on. Then we were talking about all kinds of stuff. And, and we got home, and I forgot it was in the trunk, and, and there it is. Well, then there are some that I, I put in the back seat so I would remember it. And in my garage, I have a stack of boxes. Or in a favorite closet where I put stuff like that. And I wonder, is it possible for us to sit under the teaching of the word on a regular basis and never unpack that and let it move in and take up residence in my mind, my heart, my relationships, my behavior in my life. And so what are we to put on? If we're putting off the old and putting on the new, we need to put the love of Christ, that unconditional love of God for us. We need to, to bring the peace of Christ into the relationships that we have. And we need to make sure that the word of God is allowed to move in and take up residence. Um, just... Take some notes. Review those notes. Uh, review the passage itself. Go back and watch it on, on YouTube. 
discuss it around family dinner. Um, Study in your devotions, the same book that Pastor Jordan is preaching on. There's all kinds of different ways to come back around in order to, to renew, to reinforce, to learn, to allow that word to become a real part of who we are so that when Sunday night comes, we say, what did he talk about this morning? You know, we all have that experience, don't we? And, um, and we want the word of God to, to be able to dwell in us richly. Well, the other way that's here is through the worship of God's people. How does the word of God dwell richly in our lives? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. So that as we sing this music, which is selected in order to be Christ-centered and gospel-oriented. We are sharing the truth of God in a way that, that brings it home in a different way. Music is powerful in our lives. It is a part of who we are. In fact, there's probably some music uh, in all of our lives that took place at some formative stage in our life and you will always remember what was going on in your life when you hear that song. And so that's why what we do here in worship is so important because we want it to become a part of who we are. We want the word of Christ through that to take up residence in our hearts and lives. This is a reason also why church is so important. Church in air quotes, okay? To be in fellowship with God's people does something that can only take place when we are gathered together in the fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. And when I, when I sing in Christ alone, I need to hear that. But it's also true that that person in front of me or beside me, or behind me, needs to hear that as well. To be reminded that there is a reality and the truth of God's grace that is bigger than any of our present experiences, and that our lives uh, are in him. So we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Well, then you come to verse 17, Whatever you do in word or deed, Paul just kind of sums it up. He wraps it up, and he, he gives us this catch-all principle. Uh, whether it's in word, what we say, in deed, how we live our lives, everything is in the name of the Lord Jesus. That expression probably means as a representative of Christ. When we have received the gift of grace, we no longer represent ourselves. We represent the Lord Jesus that is, our personal brand no longer uh, is important. In all that we do and all that we are, all that we say, we represent uh, Jesus Christ. And all of this that we've been talking about this morning should bring forth a thankful attitude in all that we do. Paul said, verse 15, be thankful. Be people of thanksgiving. 
He said, in our worship, we ought to worship from hearts of thankfulness. And as we live our lives of grace each and every day, it should be done giving thanks to God the Father through him. The worship song puts it this way. Now, Lord, I would be yours alone and live so that all might see the strength to follow your commands could never come from me. Oh, Father, use my ransomed life in any way you choose and let my song forever be. My only boast is you. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. And so the gospel is not just something I believe between my ears, but it's transformative in my life and it changes me and then it changes the relationships and activities of life. When we recognize what God wants to change, put off, strip away, get rid of it. And at the same time, we put on the love of Christ, the peace of Christ, and the word of Christ, and we adopt our identity in Christ. He changes us to be who we are in him. In order to accomplish this, we need to first of all be intentional. These are things that we need to... Are you a spiritual procrastinator? Have you got things that you've thought about for a long time and just never quite got around to it? This passage is encouraging you and me to be intentional, to step out in obedience. We need to see how Christ lived it up. Remember, we're followers of Jesus. You want to know humility? Look at Jesus. For I am meek and humble of heart, he said. Love as I have loved you, John chapter 13. See how Jesus lived it out as a way of what it needs to look like in our lives. Share it with brothers and sisters. Say, hey, would you pray with me? I'm working on patience right now. And I need people to come alongside and to, and to um, pray with me that God would build that into my life. And then as we look for everyday opportunities, we see God giving us the opportunity to live out the realities of our relationship with him. Um, we see God at work. We praise God for the, the small steps, the baby steps, and, and thank him. We, we're not going to get there all at once. But if we haven't started with Jesus, we need to receive his free gift of eternal life that he offers to us. All of this is for believers who have come to know him as their Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for the gift of salvation. And we thank you for the practicality of your word as well that you give us wisdom and instruction and, and the direction that our lives need to take. And I pray that we would not see our salvation as a ticket that we're going to use sometime in the future, 
but as a life-transforming reality to know you and to make you known in our lives and in our world. And I pray, Father, today for those who may are discouraged in their desire to change, who are overwhelmed. We lift them up to you and pray that this might be a time of your encouragement and strengthening in their lives this morning. As we look at your word, as we fellowship together, as we worship you together. Thank you for all these things. We want to be who we are in Christ for your glory. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.